Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Did you feel ready or prepared when becoming pregnant for the first time? What about the second or third time? How did you know that it was time to have another child? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 145 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this week we're speaking with Leslie and Kevin in what's become lovingly referred to as the mammoth episode. Yeah, it's a long one, but it is so full of beauty. We cover so many topics, birthing abroad, prenatal depression, postpartum psychosis, and then that deep knowing that there's another baby you're meant to have. I'll try to keep our intro short, but I did want to tell you about a brand that I absolutely adore and that I highly recommend for all of you who are planning to conceive, are pregnant, or are postpartum in healing. I mean, I recommend nutrient density for everyone, but especially you guys. Perfect Supplements is a company that carries my absolute favorite collagen product. It's grass-fed, free of glyphosate, which is huge, and it's highly bioavailable. My Happy Home Birth Academy students know that I rave over collagen and truly believe it is a huge component in helping your skin, both belly and perineum, stretch for pregnancy and labor. I put collagen in my coffee every morning, and this is the brand I always go to. If you are looking for a clean collagen, head to perfectsupplements.com and use the code HOMEBIRTH for 10% off. They've got an amazing bundle of my favorite products. It's their collagen, gelatin, and desiccated liver, which you guys know I'm all about the organ meats. And that's actually on sale right now as this airs. So if you're listening to it when it airs, that's on sale. Add the code HOMEBIRTH discount for extra savings and let me know what you think if you give it a try. Okay, let's go ahead and jump in. Please remember that the opinions of my guests may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. And the show is not meant to prescribe or treat. It's an educational tool. So continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Leslie and Kevin, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you both. It's always such a joy to speak to both of you at once and kind of hear both perspectives of how, you know, your journey has unfolded. So thank you both for being here. And I'd love it if we could just take a second for you, Leslie, and then you, Kevin, to introduce yourselves to the listeners. Sure. So um, my name is Leslie and Kevin and I have been married for... Oh. And you rain. Want, you want to pause? <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and feed my nose little guy here. Uh, but I, we, Kevin and I have been married for nine years. We have three little boys. Um, we live in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, I am a birth photographer and um, only recently kind of really made a go of like professional business. Um, and yeah, my business name is Green and Gray Photo, and that's for my two oldest boys, because really after having them, that's when I uh, realized how much I wanted to be all into the birth world. So that's more about me. 
Go ahead. Nice. You did a good intro. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm Kevin. And um, uh, I guess part of what she shared is, is my story as well. Not so much the uh, birth photography stuff, but mm -hmm. um, I actually grew up in northeastern Pennsylvania, um, which is actually not so different from the South uh, in like some like subcultural ways. And uh, came down here to go to school, met her through a mutual friend, kind of on accident. And um, uh, yeah, just wanted to be friends with her forever. So um, we're still friends. Yes, we are. Uh, I'm so glad that worked out. Yeah, yeah it worked out really well. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I um, uh, lived in Amsterdam for a time. I went to mm -hmm. seminary. Um, right now I'm selling flooring and uh, kind of finishing a thesis in that um, it just, <laughs> there's no actual words that have been written in, in, in a few months on the thesis. So, yeah, um, new baby kind but of it's, makes it's everything else take done. a back seat. Uh, yeah, I, I've done kind of odd jobs the last couple of years, weighted tables a lot, uh, which is fun because there's, I do like that, that service part showing people a good time. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's, that's me. That's awesome. Yeah. And so Leslie, actually, before we started recording this, it was sometime last week, you were sharing a lot on your Instagram feed about how you and Kevin met, kind of your story. I would love for you guys to just go into a little detail just because it was so fascinating to hear. Um, but just kind of touch on those things that Kevin, you kind of discussed in your intro, um, how you guys met. And then if you'll go ahead and you can carry that into because it's so beautifully weaves into your first pregnancy. I'd love to hear it from that perspective. Sure. Yeah. Okay. We can do that. So um, before I get started, I mentioned to you, Caitlin, before we started, but just to say again, um, Kevin has a cold, so he sounds, uh, he sounds sick. So that's what's happening <laughs> with his voice. He sounds very um, mysterious. Sounds yeah, it's mysterious. That's it. Yes. yes. <laughs> that's what we're going for today. That's <laughs> yes. why we came on. That's why we chose today to record this, the mystery. Um, okay, so yeah, we met in 2010. Um, so I actually, and Kevin debates me on this because I am convinced he doesn't remember it at all, but uh, we actually met in August of 20, uh, no, of 2009, um, but it was very brief. And it was I very brief. It was dark and it was a moment, okay? <laughs> it was a quick moment. It was a quick moment. Um, I do remember it just because Kevin's really distinctive looking. Like if you go on my Instagram, you can see pictures of us and stuff. But um, my Instagram is, yes, yeah, super attractive. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my Instagram is green and gray photo, uh, G-R-E-Y. So you could see our story on there as well. But um, yeah, so we officially met in January of 2010. And um, my friend, through a mutual friend, um, and my friend actually had to use my phone to contact him <laughs> and initially to ask him to come over because he was looking to borrow Wi-Fi. And so we had numbers for each other immediately. And we um, started texting pretty much every day. And it was like one of those relationships that you just feel like you've known each other forever and you're just friends immediately. Yeah. And it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, we hit it off very quickly. Yeah. I was I was even surprised. I remember being like surprised, like, whoa, <laughs> this girl's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh yeah, uh then we were dating almost three months to the day after we met. Yep. Yeah, we decided to start dating in 
April. And then um, we actually, one thing I didn't mention was we wrote letters to each other that summer because oh. he moved away. I know <laughs> he moved to um, back home to Pennsylvania and we decided, I don't remember why we decided it was on to do a it, but uh, I remember because it was my idea. Okay. Um, <laughs> and it feels like a little stupid now but i don't think it was maybe it it feels cheesy i think it's awesome so we we had mentioned something we were texting and i was in the i think i was just riding with my family somewhere and um we were texting and we're like oh this is something that come about how great it is that we could just stay in contact like this even though we're 700 miles away from each other and um i said hey uh we should try something like just for a month like people back in the, like there's not, it wasn't that long ago that people couldn't do this. Let's like just try like just writing letters. So wow. we back maybe before, like before the telephone. Um, but yeah. um, we like, back like <laughs> 100 years. <laughs> <But whatever>. um, <laughs> so, uh, so we were like, all right, let's write letters. But to kind of help with the frequency, because it was like uh, three days in between, like when we would each get a letter. Uh, we had a like a combined journal that we were sending back and forth and then letters as well. So we were like kind of cut the time in, in half between when we were hearing from each other. Yeah. But, um, and we would keep the journal with us and just write stuff throughout the day. Like as we thought, instead of texting, we'd have that. So we have a little box of all those things, which is really fun. Yeah. So anyway, that was something fun that we did. And we were like, okay, we're done. Let's be done with that. Now we're done. <laughs> it was great for that time. It was great for a month and then we need to be done. It's a nice experiment. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we dated for two years and then um, got married in July of 2012 and um, lived in Greenville and worked. And Kevin was the middle school coordinator at our church and um, also was finishing his bachelor's. And I was working for Apple. And actually in 2013, that was when I decided to pursue birth photography. Um, it was kind of sort of up and coming in kind of the bigger cities, um, like really where I was seeing it was more in Texas. And so I had shot a birth in 2007, actually the first birth I ever um, witnessed uh, and took pictures of simultaneously um, was my the birth of my sister. Um, she was born when I was 17 and my mom asked me to take photos for her and I was pretty against it. And then kind of last minute she convinced me to do it and that's what started this whole journey with photos but um in 2013 I realized I could make money with it I could make it a business like combine my passion of shooting births which I had been doing for family up until that point um and actually make it a business so I started that and then we um we had a mentor at the time who basically just challenged Kevin like what are your goals for life? What now is the time for you to be pursuing those? You don't need to feel tied down to your job here with our church. Um, like we can basically, we can find someone to fill your job. You can do what you feel like you need to do called to do. Um, and that felt free. Cause I felt responsible to what I was doing. Yeah. It wasn't like, not even feel tied down. It was just like a, like I had committed. Mm -hmm. right. So it was like a sense of responsibility, but yeah, that was very freeing. And um, sorry, I'm taking over. No, go for it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I was at work one day and had this thought, oh, I wonder if we should study overseas. Like, that'd be super fun. But man, now if I ask that, Les might think I'm like suggesting that we do that. And I don't know how she feel about it. So let me wait for like a face-to-face -face conversation. It's kind of a big 
I feel like it was just a big idea to bring up. And then not five minutes later, she texted me and said, hey, what do you think about uh, finding a place overseas? I feel this, this just explains our personalities so perfectly. Mm -hmm. Like Kevin really thinks through things and he's like, you know, I don't want to spring this on them. I, I want to be thoughtful and like careful. And I'm kind of like, I have a thought, let's go with it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We have grown quite a bit in that communication, but that really shows a lot of our yeah. <laughs> so we basically started on that and um yeah and we started looking for a school overseas started looking point. for a school and for me it just made sense i was like obviously go to the uk where they speak english because mm -hmm. that's the only place i'm going to find a school that works without having to be having to learn your language yeah. and um after kind of a discouraging uh hunt for a school that didn't really I couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. And so I was super discouraged, did not want to even like open the computer again and do any more research. And happened to, she worked at Apple at the time and uh, I was there visiting her or something and saw a guy that I'd met one other time at a Krispy Kreme donut. That's not a real <laughs> detail, but, um, uh, and I was so, and I was like, hey man, how's it going? What are you up to? And, and a lot of people were talking to him and uh, he's like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in seminary. Oh, cool. He said, yeah, I'm overseas in seminary. I was like, whoa, He's like, where at? He's like, the Netherlands. They like, everyone speaks English there anyway. It's an English speaking school. I was like, oh my goodness. So what's your program? And he mentioned the program that I was, uh, that I was looking for. And so that moment I knew, I was like, okay, cool. This is where we're going. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, we both uh, were standing there and, and I think we both kind of had that same feeling of like, that's it. That's where we're going. I was like, oh, yeah, I just kind of skipped out of the, I didn't physically skip, but I felt like my heart was <laughs> skipping in a good way because it was like, cool, we got that figured out. And, um, and uh, part of the reason that was so important is because it felt like it was something we were supposed to do, like God was calling us to do. And uh, so, uh, yeah, that was in like late summer. I think that was 2013 in or yeah, September fall or of 2013. And then so June 14th, we were on a plane coming our way yeah. of 2014. Yeah, not nine months later or something. Yeah, and I had never baby. been there. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> our first, uh, that idea was our first baby. Uh, definitely felt that way for sure. Um, yeah, no, I had never been there. Um, Kevin had been there on a layover once or twice, but other than that, neither of us had been there for any extended time. And so it was totally just like young, married, run off on an adventure type thing, which honestly, it was great. I mean, we really, I, I, I would recommend, I would recommend it to anybody, but at the same time, it's not something that you do lightly. Um, and I think the only reason that we stayed the entire time was because we felt so called to be there. Um, the first couple of months, especially, were just really hard. Um, and I, I think you can look up culture shock um, and kind of find definitions for it. But it's it, it sounds like, you know, you can only have culture shock if you move to somewhere that is totally different from your home culture. But really what it is, is just this feeling of disconnectedness and like you don't have a place anymore. You don't know where you stand anymore. Like everything fundamentally that you understood to be true is different. Um, and that's what we kind of went through the whole first year we were there. Um, I think I went through it a little bit more severely because I didn't have, a, I had a purpose in going there and being with Kevin, but I didn't have a purpose in like, I wasn't going to school there. Mm -hmm. Um, and because of our visa, I couldn't get a job there either. Um, oh. 
So I basically was just kind of like, well, I'm here, <laughs> I'm <just> here <laughs> to be here, yeah. which, you know, was great ultimately, but it just took a little while to find my place there and, and learn that. But in the midst of all of that, uh, we got, we got pregnant, um, six months into being there and that was not the plan. Um, we actually talked yeah. about it shortly when we first got married, we had talked about getting pregnant around year three for us. So at that point it was year, year two. Yeah. We were like, yeah, we, we had some idea of like, let's get pregnant at like two and a half and then we'll have a baby at like in year three. Yeah. About three. Yeah. And we were like, actually right. Almost on schedule. Yeah, for that, but yeah. that was not when, when we moved over, they were like, okay, we'll get, we'll wait until we'll we wait back. until we're done with school. Right. Get on this. Cause I can't imagine having a baby and living abroad. And, right. And kind yeah. of being on our own. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, but it happened. Um, actually Kevin has really cool. Uh, I know you can share this pretty briefly, but like, um, I was shocked when we found out we were pregnant. Like I was floored and it was not an exciting thing for me. Right. It was like, what, what has happened? We were in the middle of, I was in the middle of a pretty deep, um, like culture shock depression mm -hmm. and was like already I'm kind of wondering if this was the right decision and then all of a sudden we're going to throw a baby in the mix and none of my family is here and nobody that we know of our support system is here and it was a pretty big it was just a pretty big thing to kind of try and handle but Kevin actually when I told him we were pregnant he basically was like I mean surprised but also like I kind of knew this was coming <laughs> um, which was crazy to me yeah you can share more about that if yeah you so um yeah, if you haven't been able to tell already, like our faith is kind of tied up a lot in this and it defines and um, guides a lot of uh, much of our life. So uh, I know this isn't like a, uh, like a, as a home birth podcast. Um, so um, and I, I will not like stepping over. No, this is great. Stepping any expectations or whatever for the interview. Um, but uh, yeah, so I've been, um, I sat down one day to do uh, basically just spend two hours of quiet and like in prayer and and in the Bible, and um, I didn't really know what to pray about for two hours, and um, so I just opened up to the it was November seventh, and so I opened up to Psalm seven, and I was like I'll just read every thirtieth Psalm, and um, started reading and felt like I was being like guided in and prayer through these songs. And so by the time I got to Psalm 127, I was like, I was like ready for it. I was like, this is like, like God is meeting me and he's speaking to me and he's got something for me. And then I read like, like children are a heritage from the Lord, mm -hmm. like their blessing. And I'm like, what? That's it's like not... the brakes just <laughs> scream to all. It's like, all right, well, maybe, I was like, all right, maybe it was a fluke, whatever. Well, we got four out of five, like that was cool. And, um, so we, uh, so then I, but I stopped and I looked at it again. I was like, I was like, God, are you telling me that we're pregnant or <laughs> like, what's going on here? And I was like, well, maybe, all right, I'm just going to shelve that idea. Cause I don't know. I don't know how that works, but not pregnancy, but I, <laughs> well, like, uh, <laughs> like, I don't know how like prophecy or whatever God revealing stuff to me works. And this is relatively vague, but it also seems pretty pointed uh, just given my context. So I'm going to shelve that idea, but maybe I realized at that point, like I was viewing pregnancy and having a baby as not a gift, but a burden. Mm -hmm. And so I was viewing it like the idea of having a kid was like, 
that would be terrible. That would not be a reward. Um, that would be a burden, not a blessing. And uh, so in that moment, it just kind of like, it's like, okay, God, like, sorry for viewing your gifts like this. Um, if we are pregnant, great. Or if we're going to have a baby, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to anticipate that with anxiety or I'm not, I'm not going to look forward at, at that with anxiety. Um, I'll, I'll look forward to it with like anticipation um, because I'm going to trust this here. And then yeah, two weeks later, she slaps a positive pregnancy stick in front of me. Yeah. I didn't do anything exciting for this. Cause I was so shocked. I just threw the test in front of him and I was like, look at this. <laughs> he was like, I don't know what this means. Which is obvious. <laughs> Obviously she's showing it to me. Like you should know, like it means something. She's not like, Hey, look, Nothing happened. <laughs> no yeah I was just so like I just didn't know what to think about and he was like whoa oh my god I mean he was so excited and that yeah. definitely helped me but yeah anyway so yeah I was pumped so with this new news and you're living in this you know distant place from your family what did this do to your plans um, it didn't really change anything plan. I think initially for me, I was like, well, this can't happen. Like we have to move back. Um, something that I realized when we were over there was, um, I don't know how m much, um, you or your listeners know about the Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram seven and my tendency is to overlook anything negative and just run towards the positive. And when I was living there and when we found out we were pregnant, um, I realized the extent that anxiety really plays a part in my life and running away plays a part in my life. And, and it had really up until that point, I think that's when I started growing in that area. But um, my immediate reaction was run. We have to go home. We cannot stay here. Um, but Kevin and I worked through that together and we really, that was another part of our I think realizing that we were called to be there. And so we, we were not called to leave. Mm. Um, like we felt no, we felt in, that in no way we should be going home. Um, and so we just decided to keep moving forward with our plans. Nothing really changed. Um, I loaded up on courses my second semester to try to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He tried to lighten the load after. A after the baby was born. That yeah, but otherwise we didn't change plans really. Yeah. We yeah. ended up being there for three years. Okay. Um, so, but he was born in the first year that, yeah, that we were there. Gotcha. Man. Okay. And so what was that, what was your prenatal experience like in, in, uh, you know, while you're experiencing culture shock, but like, what was the system like there? Right. So it was actually really providential when we got there. Um, we, the guy who met us at the airport was, uh, he's Serbian, right? Uh, Bosnian. Bosnian. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he is the happiest, just most wonderful, wonderful man. And he was the perfect person to meet us at the airport and bring us to our apartment. And we got to know him and his wife. They lived, um, they lived near us, near us and they worked at the school and she was actually pregnant um, do within the next month, uh, when we got there and I just let her know, Hey, I'm a birth photographer. And she was just overwhelmed. Couldn't believe it. And she had wanted a birth photographer, but, um, wasn't able to afford one. And so it was just this perfect thing. So I shot their birth. So I was able to work through a lot of my pregnancy with her having just gone through a birth. Um, and she's, she's an American, um, so it was just so providential to have somebody that not only was I friends with, but she had just gone through it like months before. 
Um, so basically the care there is wonderful. Um, it's really, really wonderful. Yeah, they, they have a lot of home births, right? They do. Yeah. I want to say it's like 30 something percent of their births, maybe 33% of their births are home births. Wow. Um, and when you become pregnant, um, and I don't remember all the correct terms, so I'm, I'm going to botch the correct terms, but basically when you become pregnant, um, each kind of area has a group of midwives over the area. Um, and you can choose to hire out like a private midwife, but you, if you, if you just go with kind of your, your area's group, then, um, it's paid for by your insurance, which is really cheap. Um, so we went to our local group and it's a, it was a group of probably, I don't know, like five to seven midwives. Um, and they did, you know, everything that we would need done there, um, in their office, all the testing and everything. It was very non-invasive. Basically every appointment that we went to, it was just like, all right, let's check your blood pressure. Okay. You seem like you're doing good. Um, you know, do you have anything you want to talk about? And I usually was like, no, not really. And that was kind of it. I mean, they, they were really hands-off in a positive way, I think. Um, and they also don't test for gestational diabetes or, um, or group B strep unless you show markers for, specifically with gestational diabetes, unless you're showing markers for it. Um, but they, they don't do those as routine tests. Um, cool. Yeah, so that was actually something of a shock when I came back to the US and was pregnant again to know like, oh, this is routine. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I, really, I don't really want this. I didn't have it before. Um, but um, yeah, so the care was really great with during my prenatal times. Everything was really normal with my pregnancy. Um, I think like looking back now, I can see now that I know more and now that I've had more pregnancies, I can see things that I could have actually um, helped myself out with during my pregnancy. I think I had like extreme, extreme exhaustion with him mm-hmm. um, to the point where like it felt like I could barely get out of bed. I mean, I could barely do anything. It was just super extreme. And I'd never checked, you know, if I, to see if I was anemic, I never checked any of that. Um, and I didn't really do anything as far as like, um, nutrition or care in that way. I just kind of was like, well, I'm pregnant and it's normal. So we're just gonna pretend like basically nothing has changed. Um, so other than that, though, I think my pregnancy was really easy. Um, we didn't have a car and we lived about a mile from any bus stop or tram stop. So to go anywhere, we had to bike or walk a mile. Um, and we also didn't have any fast food areas near us. Um, pretty much the only, the only option as far as food was buying food at the grocery store and, or, and making it ourselves. So just really out of necessity, we ate really well. I exercised quite a bit. Um, and then, yeah, when we came and I can go ahead and talk about the birth now, if you want his birth. So, um, I was due on the 23rd, right? Yeah. It was the 23rd. Yeah. Our anniversary is the 21st of July and I always get the two mixed up. So (laughs) The 23rd um, was my due date and my mom was set to come on the 24th and um, she was going to stay for three weeks. And so 23rd came and went. I, I, oh, one thing I do want to mention, I had a lot of Braxton Hicks for most of my pregnancy, mm-hmm. that pregnancy. I, I think they started probably about in the like late twenties, early thirties. And that's just kind of a theme for all my pregnancies. And it's just become more and more intense with every pregnancy. Mm-hmm. But um 
So by the time I was due, I was like, all right, well, it's, I'm going to happen. It's going to happen like any day now. Um, and I also didn't know the statistics of going over. There's just so much I didn't know um, mm-hmm. going into this birth. I, I did take a prenatal class with Kevin. And even though I had shot a lot of births up to that point, I still, I just didn't know a lot about care. Um, I knew what birth could look like just from having shot births, but I didn't know much about birth and physiological, physiological birth. Um, so my mom came, we, we picked her up at the airport. And, um, from that point on, I felt a clock just in my head of like, Mm. she's leaving in three weeks. I know I'll have them before then, but I want to have as much time with her, with him as possible. Right. Um, so we were just kind of doing all the things we were walking a lot. Um, we, I think that was the biggest thing we walked and we were out quite a bit. Um, and then by 41 weeks, nothing had happened. And my midwife, um, actually I met this specific midwife on my 41 week appointment and we immediately connected. She was younger. She's closer to my age. Um, and immediately I was like, man, I really hope you're the one that, delivers this baby. Um, and she was like, we can go ahead and do a membrane sweep. So we did. And that made things crampy and I spotted a little bit. Um, but other than that, nothing really was moving forward at that point. She had checked me and I was like a three and like 25% of faced maybe, I mean, nothing really was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, and so yeah, membrane sweep. And then we decided, you know, oh, and I had pups with him as well, the pups rash, um, which was just so, so aggravating. Right. <laughs> um, man. And in the middle of summer, it was like, Oh man. And, and of course over there, we, there's not AC or anything like that. So just constant heat. But, um, so yeah, anyway, that day we went to the store, we got ingredients for the labor cocktail. Um, we walked, a ton. And I had a lot of shin splints, but I was like pushing through. It was like, this, we're just going to make this happen. And, um, and by that night, I mean, my contractions were coming, but they were very intense, like immediately. I mean, as soon as the real, you know, quote unquote, real contractions started, they were, they were intense. Um, and I was having a hard time walking through them. And um, basically, so we had the membrane sweep at 10 in the morning. And then by that night, I had been having contractions pretty regularly, um, but we knew we weren't really progressing much. So everybody went to bed and I tried to go to bed and then I woke back up. <laughs> like, well, most everybody went to bed. <laughs> Stupid, like I was like, well, first time dad, you were so excited. No, no, I was trying to convince myself, like in a in a like a dumb way of trying to convince myself, like, no, it's not gonna happen tonight. I stayed up and watched a movie. <laughs> so I got like 40 minutes of I got like a nap. Oh god. From, from between the time we woke up that morning to when Kev was born the following afternoon. I took like a 40 minute nap Yeah, because I was like, nope, not going to happen. And to prove my faith in that, I should watch a movie. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, oh. And I forgot to mention, we were planning a home birth. Um, That was the plan. Oh yeah, we had all the stuff, the bed was raised, all the things. We had all the things. We were ready for a home birth. But again, I didn't do anything to really prepare myself for a home birth. I was just more like, it's natural. 
you know, my body knows what to do and we'll, we'll take it as it comes. And I just, I think that was just really naive. And I, I just didn't understand how important it was to be educated and to know what my body was doing. And especially for me, like my personality is one that I feel safest if I know as much about a situation as I can know. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I basically like threw myself into a situation that was like a no win situation. Um, so anyway, and what I know now is that I started with back labor and I went the entire time with back labor. So that's why the contractions were so intense in the beginning. Um, but anyway, so we, yeah, I I don't know. It was maybe like 11 or 12. I, I just couldn't go to sleep and I was up and then Kevin was up and, um, then we called my midwife and she came probably around two And then she checked me and I hadn't, nothing had really progressed. Maybe, maybe I was like half a centimeter more dilated maybe a tiny bit more (laughs) of face. It was like nothing. And so she was like, sorry, you're not in active labor. Meanwhile, I'm texting my family. I'm like, we're having this baby. (laughs) I was like, Kevin goes from, we're not having it to like, Hey, everybody we're having. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I was like, I took a class. She's been at this for two hours, five minutes apart. We're we're having a baby. Took and then wife came and she was like, No, I can't say you're in active labor. I was like, uh, she doesn't know what she's talking what about. What do you know? <laughs> you didn't take a class. She has no idea. Oh, and it was that midwife that I was hoping would be on call. So uh, that was kind of cool. But um anyway, so yeah, we she was like, I'll come back in a couple hours, and she did, and she was like, I mean we can, yeah. sorry, our, our little baby here is just talking and he's Aww. very intent on joining the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so she came back and was like, I mean, I can break your water if you want and get things moving. Um, I had maybe progressed a centimeter and maybe at that point I was a little more effaced. And so we're like, yes, just do anything. Just break my water. And I didn't know what I was saying. You know, we were like three or four centimeters progressed at that point, which is hardly anything. And, and here we were about to break my water. And so she was about to do it. And then as she was sitting there kind of checking, she said, you know what? I think I feel an umbilical cord. Um, and if that's the case, then we need to go to the hospital. Um, so we just sat there and we're kind of like, okay, you know, we can do this. And I had a birth photographer, so we had called her and she met us over at the hospital. We, we borrowed a friend's car, so we didn't do the whole like bike to the hospital thing. Um, yeah, no, so we, we, and the idea was that we're going to go get monitored and then come back and then we could come back if everything was fine. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we made it to the hospital. They checked. No, it wasn't the umbilical cord. I guess it was a vein. I don't really know all the details again. So they, they were talking to us in English, but they were talking to each other in Dutch. So I don't know the extent of what, I don't know much other than what we were told like briefly here. Directly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so didn't have a doula. My mom is really amazing when it comes to birth. She just is so intuitive and she can really, um, she's really involved. She's very, and, um, she's an empath. She's very empathetic. She can, kind of feel like what's happening in the room. Uh, But because she and Kevin were so emotionally connected to me, I was really picking up on their energy um, and knowing like they were tired. I'm tired. This is way different than I thought it was going to be. It's harder than I thought it was going to be. Nothing feels comfortable. I can't get comfortable. And then they um, asked me to stay for a while because the monitors kept falling off and they needed a continuous amount of monitoring. And 
because we were at the hospital, they had to do the monitoring and it was just frustrating. And so by the time they gave us the okay to go home, it was probably 10 or 11 that morning. And I was in the, in the middle of it. Um, we were probably at like six centimeters or so. And I was just, yeah, I I was six or seven. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just really hard. Back labor is not a joke. It's own thing. And, and I couldn't go anywhere at that point. We're like, we're, we're done. We're staying here. Um, so we wait, I labored until probably one or two and then pushed for a few hours and he was born at like four forty-five. Um, and I ended up with a pretty, I don't, again, because everything was in Dutch, because all the records are in Dutch, I don't actually know the, the stati- like the stats. I don't know what everything was exactly, but I, they had they did an episiotomy um because he was just not being born and i w- i wasn't really changing positions at all i wasn't really i don't know there was things yeah, that could have been done had that but, early on yeah we've been doing stuff but then at, at some point you're just in so much pain and uh you end up on your back because i remember we would we tried like um like the stool thing yeah we, and were we did a shower, shower a little bit. we did um uh they had you on your side they had like a the like peanut ball, my mom like yeah yeah and uh you were on your side and like we tried all these different things and this is where actually that class came in super handy mm-hmm. because i remember her mentioning all this stuff and i knew kind of like i actually knew what to do right right, right. how to support me yeah 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 but then they ended up doing an episiotomy they did ask but it was also like i don't care just get him out right. <laughs> at this point um so after that he was born and he was born um, nine pounds, which you know for a first baby is pretty big, but um, he was very healthy. He was great. He he had no problems at all. He was just the sweetest little. Oh my goodness, so sweet. But I really, because of how exhausted I was, I didn't connect with him at all um, initially, and I uh, I nursed him immediately. You know, he laughed immediately. He, he nursed really easily. And, but I was just so tired and I couldn't, um, I actually couldn't stand up for the first four or so hours. Um, just, I, I'm not, and I, this also happened with, with my most recent birth. And so I don't know if it's just the way my body, body processes lo- losing so much fluid so quickly or what, but, um, I kept almost passing out sitting up. So they had to keep laying me down. So, I just didn't feel like I was in a space to even connect with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and really that continued on for several weeks. I, I don't feel like I connected with him or bonded with him well until, I mean, like I felt maternal instinct toward him, but I didn't feel that bond with him until probably four, four weeks or so. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with how traumatic that birth experience felt um, and just how much recovery time. I also broke my tailbone. Oh. And it was, there was a lot of recovery time. I think it took me probably a solid like seven or eight months to recover from that. Um, And to actually feel comfortable again, like physically, like not have pain. Um, Yeah. So that's. Wow. And Kevin, what was that whole experience like for you, you know, going to the hospital in this country that you, you guys have only been in for what a year. And um, what was that? How did that feel to you? So I, um, I, I kind of have, I like, I'm the, I'm the guy, like if I'm in a room of doctors, like I just assume that they know what they're doing. 
Mm-hmm. So it was like, I, I trusted them, even though like not really understanding the language, there was a level of trust there. So, and initially, um, I think the decision to stay at the hospital was made easy by the fact that it was like, she's so far along, like we're not leaving this place. Right. Like it was just so, so, and I, I wasn't as, um, invested in like, um, I don't know, I guess what kind of what you, your ideal for the, for how the birth would, I didn't have like yeah. a, I didn't have like an idea of like what I expected it to, how I expected it to go. Right. Um, and I, honestly, like, again, that, that class that we took really helped set up, I think, set some expectations for yeah, me. For you, like yeah. even before we, we were at that point, people would joke, guys would joke, they're like, oh, is she laboring? Oh, she may have the baby, you better hurry up and get home. I was like, uh-uh. First ones don't go fast. Like you're you're not going to get my anxiety up. Like I'm cool. I think on the one hand I was, I was kind of ignorant and I just didn't realize it. And on the other hand, there was also like, I didn't have really an idea of like expectations. So initially the decision to stay at the hospital or like even going through the process, I wasn't really, I was like kind of just ready to go with the flow. But I think once, um, towards the end where she was really in pain. I mean, I was kind of, at one point I remember like really urging the doctors, like you need to do something. Like Mm -hmm. you need to like do something to get rid of the pain. Like I just, I really couldn't stand um, seeing her like that. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so it was starting to freak me out. Um, And uh, didn't realize like I should probably, at the time didn't realize like, okay, keep that stuff in check. For the sake of uh, for the sake of mama, mm. and um, uh, so uh, yeah, and then and then once he was born, like I cried for like ten minutes straight, mm. um, and I, I realized uh, after it was probably also just like a release of fatigue and anxiety and like all these emotions because. Um, not at all when i say this i try to be very careful make it clear like i'm not at all trying to compare the work i did to what she did mm-hmm. but like when when dads are like yeah i just didn't know what to do or like there's dads not doing anything i just had no category for that because i just worked my tail off mm. for hours trying to like help her through this whole process and me and her mom were basically her birthing team yeah uh, we were her whatever I don't yeah, know, we were a dual team, yeah. yeah. And um, and so I worked my butt off, and uh, the birth photographer got it. But there were for a while there were marks on my thumbs mm-hmm. um, from where she was gripping, <laughs> like yeah. her nails were digging into my skin. So I was like, I walked away with scars. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> we I don't both know what, away from I was like, scars. I don't know what people are talking about, like home, like natural birth being so great or birth being so easy and like, or like men not knowing what to do. I was like, I have no idea what they're talking about because this was exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but yeah, when he was, um, yeah, that's so experientially, that's kind of what it was for me is kind of initially just going with the flow, started getting kind of freaked out at the end mm-hmm. and then um, just relief and such like deep, uh, I don't know, emotion and affection for him as soon yeah. as he was born. Yeah. Well, we bonded really quickly with him, oh, which was, honestly was, I'm so thankful for, for me right. not being bonded. Yeah. I'm really glad he did. Yeah. I was sold immediately. Like I, 
I, I would like kind of dry it up at one point crying. And then I, I walked back over to the side of the bed and looked at him and just started weeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is amazing. No, and I got to catch him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that was freaked me out. Yeah. I had a moment. Oh, that's probably what, what started <laughs> the cry. <laughs> so I had a moment. I, I wanted to I wanted to help deliver him. And um, so I did, but he came out and I, I've only seen movie babies. So they're like, you know, four months old and like clean. And um, he came out and he was like gray and there's this white stuff on him. And I knew there was going to be blood on him, but then he was just limp and uh and slippery too which i'm glad that the midwife was there helping because i would have she knew he <laughs> was like picking up a wet watermelon and uh uh no but he and i thought he was dead mm. so i had this moment like i just didn't know what to expect and he came out and he wasn't moving and it was only like a second right it's all probably like this whole like looking at him seeing him not moving thinking oh my gosh he looks there's no color to him um, I did a quick look around the room to see like what are the professionals thinking. Mm -hmm. They're not reacting. Okay, I'm not going to say anything. And then he started moving, and it was fine. But like, I like for a moment believed that he was dead. Yeah. And so when like he started moving, it was like this relief. And I think that probably that was probably the start of the crying. And then the emotions, just um, actually finally seeing like my kid yeah. was. Uh, we kind of just carried the crying for like the next couple of months. <laughs> That's amazing. And Leslie, so with this, you know, intense postpartum, I mean, just, you know, you are feeling traumatized. Your body has been through actual trauma. What was it like, you know, or how, how, what is the age difference between your first two and what was it like becoming pregnant that second time? So um, that's actually an interesting question because we, so my, my, we got pregnant before um, when Kev was one and a half. Um, we basically, as I went through the process of postpartum um, after Kev, he was such an easy baby. And again, I think that was such a gift. I think God just gave us that because he knew what we needed at that time. And um he nursed great. He never had anything that we were concerned about as a new baby, as new parents. Um, he slept normally and in like increasing increments. I mean, everything that you would dream of having with a baby we had with him and he was just such a sweet boy. And so by one and a half, we, um, we had decided that we want to go ahead and have another baby. So we, in 2017, January, or um, no, 2016 in October, we decided to start trying to have another baby and we got pregnant immediately. And I was very sick with that pregnancy. And I kind of knew with the next pregnancy, I'm going to do a full medical. Like there's no, I'm not even attempting a home birth. Natural birth is not for me. Um, I did not experience the good of birth at all. If this is what birth is like, I don't know what women are talking about <laughs> and saying they like natural birth. Um, so I just was like, I'm going fully medical. We'll do the epidural, the whole nine yards. Um, and so that was kind of what I decided immediately after that birth. But um, we got pregnant and then I was very, very, very sick. Um, and we ended up losing that baby actually um, in December of 2016. Um, so I think the baby was about nine weeks when 
we lost it, but it was a silent miscarriage. So we didn't know that we had had a miscarriage oh. um, until we went for our next mm-hmm. appointment and found that it, it hadn't grown. Um, and then there, and that there was no heartbeat and actually Kevin wasn't even at that appointment with me because oh, no. there was no indicator. Anything was wrong. Yeah, right. I was so, over, well, I had to be home. Oh, with Kev or something. Yeah. You, he stayed home with Kev. Kev was face, sick. I think I FaceTimed him yeah. during the appointment. And, and that's when they said, yeah. I just remember her going, I can't find a heartbeat. <sighs> Whoa. What? Yeah. That was a huge shock for us. Yeah. Um, and we ended up, um, I really struggled with how to process that just, um, because my body wasn't, my body wasn't birthing the baby at all. Um, it didn't recognize that it had miscarried. And so then at that point it's like, okay, well, how do I, how do I allow my body to process this? Like to move forward, um, I need to do something to help it. And so they gave me, um, a pill that I could take that would start labor and, and help my body kind of process it. And I just couldn't make myself do it. Um, it took a lot. I just, I had it with me and I just thought and thought about it. And I, I went back several times for several ultrasounds because I was just, I just couldn't, I think I just couldn't wrap my brain around the fact that the baby was no longer living, but my body was acting like it was. Yeah. And so we, I kept having ultrasounds and it was so honestly, the, the medical team there was so wonderful. They were very understanding and that is not normal for Dutch people. Mm-hmm. Normally they are not understanding. Yeah, very, <laughs> very, very business, very like they're, they will call you out and they are not the nicest people sometimes, <laughs> but um, really it was so, it was really sweet. They, they, every time I asked for an ultrasound, they said, definitely let's do this. Let's look at the baby. And, um, finally, I just decided to have a DNC. So I was about 14 weeks when I finally went ahead and did the DNC. Um, and then we, long story short, ended up moving back to Greenville in late May, early June of 2017. Yeah. Um, wasn't the plan, but it ended up happening. And then we decided to go ahead and get pregnant um, in June, July of 2017 and got pregnant. Uh, well, we, we, we tried in June and didn't get pregnant. And um, then we tried in July and did get pregnant. And Kev just turned two at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my pregnancy with Gray was fully every, I, I went to the midwives here, but they were the hospital midwives mm-hmm. um, here in Greenville. And it was very similar experience to the midwifery office in the, in the Netherlands. Um, so I was used to that, but it, I had a lot more tests that I had to undergo. Like they did the gestational diabetes test and they did the group B strep test. And there were a lot of um, kind of more boxes they had to check that I was just kind of irritated with. Um, and I tried to push back on, but I didn't really have a whole lot of reasoning other than I just didn't have them with Kevin. So I didn't feel like they were necessary. Um, Which is fair. Right. <laughs> right. But I was really kind of coerced into, right. no, you have to do this. Like you can't say no, basically. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know at that point, like, actually, yes, I can say no. Right. <laughs> so I just kind of went along. I was like, okay, well, I guess I have, I have to do it. I have to do it. Um, and yeah, so I have a few complications with his pregnancy, but nothing really severe. Um, they thought that I had circumvallate placenta, which is really rare. Mm-hmm. Um, and I might have, I forgot to look at, ask if we could talk about the placenta after the birth. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I actually did or not. Um, but I just, ha- I had anemia with him. I did test positive for group B strep with him. Um, 
and I had Braxton Hicks the entire pregnancy with him as well, which again, that's, that's kind of normal for me. Um, and then when it came time for his birth, I knew I want an epidural and I'm doing this in the hospital and we're going to do everything we can to keep pain away. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So we, and we both agreed that that yeah, was for the best. It was, it was like, however you get through pregnancy, that's not like that last one. Yeah. Through the mm. birth. Yeah. Like yeah. Birth. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Right. Yeah. So we went into Gray's birth with, um, I, let's see on my, I was due on April 10th and on April 12th, um, in the evening, I started having a lot of cramping and I was, I started losing my mucus plug and I was like, okay, this is early labor. Like it's very early, but it's, it's, we're, we're moving forward. So let's go to the hospital. We're not even going to wait. Um, so we called our people and, um, went to the hospital and, my midwife was so, so sweet. Um, she was just the absolute, just sweetest lady. And they checked yeah, me in was, triage. She was, awesome. she was so great. But they checked me in triage and she, she said, yeah, you know, you're, uh, I guess I was 90% effaced and um, I think like three or four centimeters dilated. And she said, I mean, you're really moving forward. So if you, if you walk around a little bit, you'll be in active labor in no time. And I was like, nope, I want the epidural. So <laughs> give me, that's okay. Me. Thanks. <laughs> We're moving forward. And I, I told her, I was like, just give me Pitocin. I know it will kick me into labor. I'm so close. I don't need much. And um, I'm getting an epidural anyway. So I just want to do this. She's like, okay, we'll do it. Um, so we got into a room and then by about 11 o'clock, I had epidural, Pitocin and everybody went to sleep. Mm. And um, it was night and day different from my delivery with Kev, my labor with Kev. Um, we all slept for a couple of hours, and when yeah, we woke that was up, weird. Yeah, I, th I think it was <laughs> yeah, weirdest for I, Kevin. I, I went in like expecting, you know, I was like, "All right, here we go. Yeah. Give me some caffeine." <laughs> and because uh, again, we were going like it's like end of the night, not gonna get any sleep. And uh, then she had the epidural. I was like, "You're, you're fine." It's like, yep. It's like, so what do we do? <laughs> well, we go to sleep. Really? Okay. Um, you sure? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're here. All other, right. people, other people are doing everything and we're, we don't have anything to do. Yeah, um, we slept for a couple hours and then you were just like, I feel like my memory is like, you were just like casually, maybe it wasn't casual. It felt very casual. Yeah, it seemed like, like in my memory, it seems like you're just like, hey, like, I think it's time, guys. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's really what it felt like, honestly. I mean, like, dang, I just slept for a few hours. All right. <laughs> yeah, I wow. mean, for, in all honesty, like, I can't, I, I can't hate on an epidural. It, it's, holy cow. I mean, if you want to have no pain at all, if you want to have no sensation at all and be as normal as you ever were, then that's a great way to go. But at the, on the other hand, you know, we now understand. Um, so I'll finish this one really quickly, Kevin. Uh, so I, I woke up probably about two and I was like, I really feel a lot of pressure and I feel like he's just out. Like, can we make sure he's not just out of my body? <laughs> so everybody kind of like, yeah, okay, no, yeah, you're, you know, you're definitely, things are moving. Okay. It looks like your water just broke. All right. You know, just, you know, don't do anything. Don't push, just labor, let him labor down. And 
So we did. And he, again, I'm not feeling anything. And, and then at about four, they said, you know, if you want to push your wall, you can. And I, I think I pushed like three or four times and he was born. Um, yeah, I was and, ready to catch him. Yeah, Kevin was ready midwife, this time. The midwife wasn't there. And I was like, yeah, standing there like a catcher. And, uh, <laughs> and um, she was like, don't push. Or someone else who was helping. The nurse was helping me like, push. She was like, don't push it until the midwife gets back. I was like, and I just want to be like, go ahead. I'm right here. I'm right here. And of course, again, like looking back, I'm like, of course, I could have pushed. We could have gotten this baby out on our own and I would have been totally fine. But at the time, it's like, okay, we have to do what they say. And right. um, But anyway, yeah. So he was born very quickly. He was, I mean, very healthy and we were very healthy. We were very happy. But really, what I found with this birth was we, ha- so we had to stay in the hospital for 24 hours after that. That's the very minimum amount of time we could be there. And it was horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, just, we were in a very tiny room. We weren't able to go out of the room at all. We weren't able to, um, Kevin wasn't able to take the baby um, out of the room unless he, the baby was in the bassinet. Um, the windows in our room looked out to the atrium. So they weren't outside. It was very dark. Uh, they were waking us up every two hours. I couldn't sleep while holding gray. Um, like he had to be in his bassinet if I fell asleep, which just feels so counterintuitive. Like, right. I mean, if you're, you've just had this baby, you, you want to bond with him. So why would you keep taking him away? It's so um, weird to like, just when you think about like the rules that they put on grown adults, <laughs> it's like, okay, I have to go home with this baby, you know, like tomorrow, like I'm, I'm an adult. I I can do this. Right. If we're going to do it, why not try it here where we have all the things in place to help if something goes wrong? It's very odd. But yeah. I, it's a, who even knows what's going on? But, <laughs> yeah. And then he was nine pounds, eight ounces. And he, that's right on the, I guess that's right on the line here for our hospital of what they want to test for blood sugar. So they kept taking his blood sugar every two hours. Mm. And I kept insisting like, this is normal. My, my other son was nine pounds. I don't have gestational diabetes. I, my husband's six, four and a half, almost six, five. He's big. Like I have big babies, but they just kept, no, you know, we got to do all the protocol and they did his hearing test and he failed it in one ear. And they said, it's probably because he was born quickly and he has fluid in that year still, but we need to come back and do it again. At that point, I was just so frustrated with the amount of tests and inv- it just felt so invasive that I just, I declined it. And they really pushed back against me with that. And I just, I think at that point is when I finally kind of broke and held my ground. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so then we left and Gray was a very hard baby. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a lot of medical, just he, he kept getting sick. Um, he was extremely colicky. He had a lot of severe food allergies. I had to take a lot out of my diet. Um, we didn't, I didn't sleep much more than like two, two or three hours in like a 24 hour period for months. I mean, it was months. And by, by the end, I remember you had one guest on who was talking about extreme sleep deprivation and by about three or four months in, I was having that, um, hallucinations. I would, I would wake up thinking that he was crying and that I was holding him and I, and he wasn't, he was asleep and he would be in his bassinet, but I couldn't, I just, it, it was so weird. And I felt like I was going crazy. Um, and so by five months we decided to switch him to formula because I was losing a lot of weight. I couldn't keep my supply up. 
Um, he was still unhappy. We still hadn't figured out all the different allergies he had. Um, oh, and I had, uh, I had penicillin because of group B strep during my labor. And I fully believe that that is why he was so sick for the most of his first two years. Oh. Um, I think he just had no gut health. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, I, by five months, we just switched him to a hypoallergenic formula and he became a different baby. He was so happy. He started gaining a lot of weight. Um, he stopped all of the um, symptoms that he had of different food allergies and we were able to sleep. And I mean, all the things it was like, I think that's what really helped me realize, you know what, if, if this is what you need to function and this is what you need as a parent, um, do it. It, it is there for that reason. Like, and, and I feel a lot more, um, I think I just feel a lot of compassion for moms who feel like they have to switch and they just don't want to, because I definitely understand that feeling, but man, seeing the difference with him was just like, we should have done this a long time ago. I mean, when it's preventing you from experiencing postpartum psychosis, like, yeah. I mean, let's weigh our risks and benefits here, guys. Right. right. Yeah. And I have another toddler to deal with yeah. as well. Yeah, so. the, co the cost was so high. Yeah. For, I mean, because it's not just, it's not just for the baby or mom, like, it, like it's, that's affecting the whole family. Right. And, um, yeah, that, that cost was just so high that it, it was like, we got to do something to like, so he's happy. And, um, and so that we can actually start like functioning again. Right. Moving forward out of this phase. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, he, um, we went through a lot of, um, different therapies and, and things with him until he was two. And then, um, yeah, from two to three, he really, did quite quite a lot better and actually because he was so sick and because we had so many things going on with him we decided we were done we weren't gonna have any more kids that was it um we got rid of all of our baby clothes we got rid of all of our baby toys um it was kind of like we needed to just say we're done nope we're done and of course now because we have rain poor rain and i post this on my stories on my instagram today but we have no baby toys for him because we did this so. he's got hands yeah i know <laughs> We have two toys we were given um, at a little shower we had for him shortly before he was born. And I was like, how do I hang these toys up so he can play with them? <laughs> and my oldest son has this little like toy plus uh, toy arrow. And he was like, look, it's long and skinny. We can put it between two chairs and hang up his toys so he can lay <laughs> underneath it. So it's just funny. We have, we have no baby things for him anymore, but because of that decision. But anyway. <laughs> He's all right. He's fine. He seems to be pretty happy. So we're good. Oh my goodness. Well, okay. Then I'd love to hear that switch. So you guys had decided that's it. We're done. No more. And now you have a newborn. So <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what everybody asked us when we told them we were pregnant. Well, we partied too hard one night. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, that's what happened. No. So we, um, so actually this whole pregnancy, um, was very spiritual. Like we, I think, you know, with Kev's pregnancy, there were spiritual elements with Gray's pregnancy. I think I felt there were very few spiritual elements other than just feeling just an extreme need of like, I cannot do this. I need something bigger than myself to help me through this, right. um, with postpartum. But, um, with rain, which is our newest little guy, we, um, so 
Gray's birthday is in April. And we decided last, so last year, uh, Gray turned three and we started having these little conversations of like, what if we had another kid? And we both kind of would say it and then be like, no, no, that's not a good idea. Um, and so we, we wouldn't really like pursue that conversation. Um, and then we, I kind of just had this nagging feeling that I just could not get over that we had another child. Um, and it wasn't like we should have another one. It was like, we did, we did have another one. Um, and so it was, it was a little while, uh, it was a few months of that, like just nagging feeling. And we, we also have a group, um, that meets at our house every week. Um, and at the time we were meeting and just praying together uh, every week and it's, you know, people from different churches and, um, just friends who kind of like have the same, um, desire for community and intimacy. And so we would just meet and have a meal together and pray together. And, um, one of the people in that group, she kept saying things about, like, I would say something and then she'd say, are you pregnant? And I was finally like, why do you keep asking me that? Like, I'm, you know, we're not planning on getting pregnant again. And, um, she long story short, basically was just like, okay, I, I'm telling you this, but it's because you're asking me to tell you this. I wasn't going to just tell you this, but I just feel like you guys have another child. Oh, wow. Um, and I was like, well, that's crazy. Cause I've been feeling the same thing. So we, I kind of just took that to heart and just mulled over it. And then on my birthday this past year in August, I sat that Kevin and I were on a date um, for breakfast and I was like, all right, I got to tell you this, you know, this is what she said. This is what I'm feeling. What do you think? And I can't remember how you responded exactly, but it was just kind of like affirmative. Like, yeah, I honestly, I have so like, I have so little memory of like how I actually responded. I just remember thinking like, yeah, that feels right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. It was just like all of a sudden it made sense to just move forward. I don't know. Yeah. For some, like part of it for me, I think was um, not seeing through like the weeds of having uh, a toddler and a baby. Um, and then still having a toddler and then four-year-old who was like still super dependent. And, um, I was like, I don't know how people can have more kids, like when they require so much of your energy and attention all the time. And, um, around that same time, someone had mentioned me like, yeah, but when they get older and they start, they can take care of themselves around the house and they can even help other kids. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> they grow. They're getting they older. <laughs> oh yeah, he's gonna be able to get himself dressed and like take care of himself in the bathroom one day. That's right. Okay. Um, so I think that like that was a piece for me that like opened up, oh, okay, this isn't gonna be like dominating our lives and we can't do anything else. Right. And not that we have these big like uh lofty plans of it's just like like even just work. <laughs> like, yeah like we like, both work from home and just that like aspect was like how pursuing do that? yeah pursuing like um uh jobs and like uh like business ideas and stuff like like just practical things mm -hmm. like i don't know how we're not gonna be able to do this with more than two kids and um so that kind of loosened it up and then yeah i don't know i just i just had faith in like god's work in her and our friends and so it's like yeah, cool. It just mm -hmm. sounded good. Yeah, it worked. It we just we really just felt like it was right. And so we decided to try for a baby and we got pregnant immediately. No and again, 
Yeah, we, that's not, that's not part of our story, thankfully. And I know that's part of a lot of people's story. Um, but yeah, that, that oh is not word. one aspect that we do have, have to work through, which, which I am thankful for. And I do really feel for people that have to work through that. Yeah. That was actually a huge, uh, part of having a baby was, um, like realizing what I had and then, and just realizing, oh my word, there are people who like, it doesn't work this easily for right. like, or it doesn't work at all. And then I have to go through like an adoption process, which can be, um, incredibly annoying. And it was, Painful. yeah, part of what, yeah. Part of like a big shaping thing for me, I guess both of us and having a baby was the empathy for, um, other people for other people babies. who couldn't yeah. it was like yeah. i can't i can't imagine not being able to have my kids right. right um and so yeah that shaped a lot i think for us and we i think we we learned a lot of compassion with that and mm-hmm. yeah and then of course losing a baby as well really both uh, yeah too. yeah 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 because before having kids you're like oh they couldn't have a kid that's kind of sad like i don't have a category for it right but then afterwards it was like 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 one of the I don't know one of like the gifts yeah of like having it's just the the growth and like understanding so you can have empathy Mm -hmm. um, and and be sympathetic towards people in a much deeper way rather than just like oh I think that that hurts so Mm. yeah Yeah. that's a great point yeah that's so true yeah so anyway sorry go ahead yeah, no, I, I'm just curious to hear. So, so you guys became pregnant right after you have this, uh, you know, this revelation that, you know, yeah. this feels right. What, what's your plan now, Leslie, because you've had your previous birth, you know, your epidural hospital birth mm-hmm. was what you, you needed at that time. What changed? Cause you had yeah. a home birth. <laughs> right, right. So, um, so I went into this birth knowing uh, a lot more about the birth industry here in Greenville, just the birth community. Um, I had started my business in 2019. I dove in all the way. I met with a lot of midwives, um, a lot of doulas, just trying to get my um, business off the ground and attended several births. I attended home births and hospital births and was just able to make a lot of connections here again um, in the birth field. And I think that really helped me remember why I wanted a home birth to begin with. And, um, and then, so, so actually I reached out to several people before we even got pregnant. You were one of the people I reached out to, um, about doing the home birth Academy. Um, and just, I was just letting you know, like, I want to be in your next class and, um, we're not even pregnant yet, but I just know it's going to happen. Like God made this way too clear for it not to happen. And, um, so, yeah, contacted you, contacted um, a friend of mine who's a midwife here, um, Paris Mountain Midwifery, and um, told her as well. And then another, and then doula um, that I know. And I was like, I want you guys as my team. We're not pregnant yet, but the moment we are, I'm hiring you all as my team. (laughs) Um, So I I just knew that's like, that was my dream, but um, was to have a, a peaceful home birth. And then I think COVID really put a catapult on it because if my boys had been able to be with me in the hospital, I think that would have aided in my, that would have made the decision harder. Mm. Um, but because of COVID and then knowing 
my boys couldn't be with me, I might not even be able to have an extra support person besides Kevin with me. And just hearing the different things, and, and I don't know how often this has happened or how even true it was, but we just didn't know at the time, like, you know, what if I test positive? What if, you know, he somehow tests positive and they take him from me? Like, I don't even want that to be on the table. I don't even want there to be an option where I'm, I'm forced to fight for my newborn. Right. Um, so that kind of pulled hospital birth off the table for me. Um, but there was a ton of fear, just a ton of fear. And it was really deeply rooted. And so I just realized that I'm going to have to fight through this during my pregnancy to get to a successful home birth. Um, and I, so I just started, um, I basically kind of made a list of like, this is what I want out of my birth. And um, I just started praying about it and asking the Lord, like, I want this. Like, I, I think you can give this to me. Um, and I think that you want this for me too. And so I'm going to do the work that I can do to get there. And I'm going to ask you to also meet me and do this too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what I did. And the, when, when we got pregnant, um, the girl in our group that was kind of <laughs> walking this journey with us, um, I texted her and she said, uh, she was like, you know, I, I feel really led to give you Psalm 65 and I'll be praying that over you. And, um, it's really just a Psalm about abundance and about joy and growth and, um, peace. And in the Psalm, David is actually the one who wrote it. And he is, is praising God for things that haven't happened yet. Like he, he is just like overflowing with joy and excitement about how God will be providing for them later. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just found that really beautiful for our pregnancy. So I held on to that and I had two words for my pregnancy, which was peace and joy. Um, and I, I really felt like the pregnancy process, even though, you know, I had ups and downs through the process of pregnancy. I had Braxton Hicks again from the beginning, probably from like 10 weeks or so. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, having two little guys during this. And I also was still shooting births and working a lot. Um, my business picked up quite a bit during my pregnancy, which was wonderful, but also pretty tiring. Mm-hmm. Um, so amidst it all though, I just never felt deeply discouraged. Um, a, a part of my story with my other two pregnancies, well, my three pregnancies other than this one, um, is that I struggle with prenatal depression mm-hmm. in all my pregnancies. Um, with Kev's, it was the most severe. Um, it was the longest. And I think that probably had a lot to do with the culture shock element also being at play. Um, but I think with him, it's, it subsided around 16 weeks. Um, with my second pregnancy, I had intense depression until, well, and, and really until we had our DNC. Mm-hmm. And then um, with Gray's pregnancy, I had depression probably until 13 or 14 weeks. And um, it's just really hard to pull out of that, even knowing, and we went into this pregnancy knowing all these things. We know that I struggle with prenatal depression. We know that I tend to be pretty nauseous and just feel pretty yucky that first trimester, as most people do, um, that I'm kind of going to be not able to take care of our house a whole lot. I'm not going to be able to cook right. a whole lot. Like all these things. Get used to squalor, baby. Right. right. <laughs> well, and so Kevin really like took the reins on all of that. Like he basically became like not single parent, but <laughs> felt like that. I think sometimes, um, but it was really cool because like I said, we, we have this community that meets with us every week and 
around 10 weeks, I was just expressing during one of our nights that I was just really struggling with the depression aspect and the nausea aspect. Um, even though I knew it was normal for me and, and, and it wasn't any sort of like abnormal, abnormal, um, pregnancy, I just was really struggling and I couldn't pull out of it. And, um, so, uh, one of the guys there actually prayed over me and my pregnancy that, that that would be removed. And I, it was funny cause he's single and, um, he doesn't have any, any kids. And, and, uh, I was just thinking the whole time, like, yeah, that's not good. I mean, that's not gonna happen. Like, this is just normal pregnancy. It, this isn't abnormal. This isn't an illness. Like this is going to progress how it always progresses. And, and that's okay. Um, and within two days, both things left wow. and I at all, like from that point on. Wow. Um, and that was really just kind of like repeated over and over through my pregnancy of God just showing up and being like, listen, we can do this. Like we can make this what you want it to be. Um, and I think that also helped a lot with alleviating fear. Um, because I really just struggled so much with the fear of, of, you know, having gone through this trauma with Kev and then thinking, okay, this is going to happen again and I'm going to have to get through it. Um, so, and then also the unknowns of having a really difficult and needy newborn and, and, um, postpartum psychosis again and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, so the whole pregnancy was a process of recognizing fear and releasing control, recognizing fear, releasing control just over and over and over. Um, and in God's providence, we also, uh, sorry, we have a little baby who's about to spit up, I think pretty loudly. <laughs> um, but uh, in, in God's providence, we also were going through, um, Kevin's running a ministry at our church, um, and it's called Regen. And basically, uh, it, it was the pilot um, of that ministry. And so he and I are both involved, and we're, we're going through it together. And it's, it's modeled after the 12-step programs. And so um, it's very, like, deeply uh, introspective. Mm. Um, so I actually was able to work through a lot of past trauma that I didn't even recognize I had. Wow. Um, and it brought out a lot of um, repressed memories that I didn't know I had and things, things that I just wasn't aware of. Um, and it was actually really amazing because in this program, you go through the, these steps, but you do it with a mentor and you do it in a group. Um, so it's very like you're supported on all sides mm. and, um, it was exactly what I needed to help me process fear and, um, kind of anything that would be holding me back with this birth. And so by the time I got to my third trimester, I just felt ready. Like I, I didn't feel fear at all anymore. Um, I felt like I had been able to let go of, um, the worry of, of pain of like going through the same thing that I had with Kev and really it just was this kind of recognition of, you know what, I actually can trust that God loves me. <laughs> like yeah. he loves me and he wants, he wants something good for me. Like he actually, he's not out to get me. <laughs> um, when I, when I step out in faith, he's not going to just like pull the rug out from under me. Um, and so I really just leaned into that understanding and, um, yeah. So by the time I got to the end of my pregnancy, um, I was having prodromal labor a lot from 35 weeks on. Um, we did end up going to the hospital a couple of times in the end of my pregnancy for monitoring for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And um, with 
so it, with rain, so I actually had that happen with gray as well. I ended up falling on my stomach and from oh. that 36 weeks. And from that point with gray on, I, I had prodromal labor. Um, but then with rain about 35 weeks, um, maybe it was actually a little earlier than that. I had some pretty severe pain and in my left, in the left side of my chest. And so my midwife had me go right to the hospital for checking to see if it was a pulmonary embolism. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't thankfully, um, we just had a couple of those little types of things that, that came up and was like, man, I just, I wasn't thinking we would have to do this again, but here we are back in the hospital for more. Right. Um, but yeah, by 35 weeks, I was having prodromal labor pretty much every day. He was breech at 35 weeks. And so we did a lot of praying and we did a lot of spending babies and doing all the things to try and get him to turn. And he turned, um, and, but my, it was like, my body was just like, prepping for, you know, five weeks before his due date to have him. Um, and by, I think like 38 weeks, I was having pajama labor pretty much like two or three times a night, uh, a week. Um, and, but every night I would go to sleep and I would wake up with it and then have it for several hours and then go back to sleep in the morning. And it would be just Braxton Hicks the next day, all day. Oh, geez. Um, so, and honestly, at the time I, it didn't feel hard. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, it didn't feel like very difficult. I knew we were working towards something. Um, but by I think 30, 39 and like three or four. So I was due Thursday and by Monday, I just remember talking to Kevin and saying, I don't know what my body is waiting for. Like, it's clearly ready to birth this baby. It is doing all the things. My water had been leaking for two weeks. Like I, it was a pinhole leak. It was very slow leak, but it was leaking. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the house clean, things were <laughs> yeah. organized. Pantry was ready to go for doula and midwife and mama. And yeah, the boys were excited. They were ready for it. Kev was ready to cut the cord. He kept asking every day, like, all right, how are we doing? Do you have any contractions last night? Are we ready to have a baby? <laughs> Every morning he would come in very quietly. Yeah, sorry. We're going to do a transition here. Kevin has, sure. to, he has to go. He has a meeting. Okay. Thank um, you so much, Kevin. Yeah, do, you right. want, yes, do you have anything you. you want to ask him before he has to run out the door? If you want to give like a just a brief synopsis of your feelings about the birth. Yeah, okay. Um, so I think one, this, like going into it, this felt the best. Um and again, I didn't know, there, there was just a lot of ignorance the first time I wasn't aware of um, on my part. Um, but uh, obviously that's what ignorance is, I guess. Um, but um, um, yeah, I felt like we had done like everything we could do to prepare. And I felt like she was ready. And again, some of this is, it's just like retrospectively we learned like, oh, like we didn't even know this going into our birth with Kev. And then um, with Gray, there wasn't like a lot of stress, I felt like go, going into it um, because we, we kind of knew like, no, we're medical, hand this over yeah, to the just, doctors. yeah. Um, and this felt, uh, I was super confident in, in her and um, didn't really have any anxiety about it. I was just kind of looking forward to it. And then as far as the birth experience went, I was like, it, it wasn't quite uh, as easy as, you know, grays in one sense, but on the other hand, it was also like, 
it was super easy. And again, not, not for her, like she's going through all this pain and, um, but like, it was, I think you got me up. Uh, I'm forgetting the timeline now. It was like, you got me up at four. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you got me up at four. We blew up the tub. I got, yeah. Um, my water broke. Well, so, okay. I'm going to go over all of this sorry, sorry. in a minute. Yeah. But, um, basically but, when I woke you up, we got everything ready and then nothing started and for a little while. So you went back to sleep. I'm back to sleep. And at that point, like she had had like these nights of like these contractions. And so I was like, cool, it's fine. Maybe nothing's happened. Um, but I still, I had to put in like a little podcast to <laughs> like a sleep, uh, meditation podcast to help me fall back to sleep. And then 30 minutes later, she hit me up and it was like, we were ready to rock and roll. And, um, initially there was that like, Oh crap. What do I do now? Mm. Like, <laughs> I, I, I took another class, like I should know what to do. And, um, and then I don't know, we kind of, I just got down there with you and like just stayed close and stayed quiet. And um, she had these like affirmations up on the wall. And so I basically just used that as like my, my playbook um, for like kind of what to say to her and um, how to encourage her and just words to give her to just try to help her mentally stay strong. And um um, really my, my job the whole time was just, uh, I just got to be just with her. Um, uh, we just basically held hands the whole time, mainly cause you were kind of using my hands for like support. Angry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then it happened. And initially I was like disappointed that I wasn't going to be able to deliver. Cause I, I really kind of liked that. Like having just being a first pair of hands on my, on my children when they come out. But at the same time, like it didn't matter because, it, it happened so quickly and so beautifully. And it seemed like it went about as good as we could have expected. Like, I was like, I think that's what we were looking for. I think like that was it. And, um, and then I and started postpartum. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I started crying again, <laughs> and, um, which actually didn't happen with gray. And I think part of that may have been, I, I was actually pretty emotionally disconnected from gray for, I don't know, a month and a half or something. Mm -hmm. And I felt terrible about it, but, um, you know, I'm still loving the kid and giving myself to the kid and your affections catch up. And now like, you know, again, a few weeks in, it was like, I was, my heart was finally caught up. Right. I think um, a lot of it has to do with you not being able to be involved during the birth though. No, there's nothing really. There's no sweat on my part in his birth. Right. And I didn't, I didn't feel like that was the case with the other two. And so I feel like that was at least a part of it. Yeah. And then but, postpartum um, was just so much different for you too with rain. This time. Yeah. So um, I felt, yeah, I felt much more, um, I don't know, affection towards him and much more uh, patience um, with like the crying. And I felt like I just had enough knowledge um, to kind of help and experience to kind of help guide us through. And it didn't feel super stressful. But one thing I did notice and she had mentioned it, um, was, uh, I was like, what, like, what is wrong with me emotionally? Like, I'm like very short. I'm like, like, like anger's high right now. I don't feel motivated at all. Like, like even bright day, like everything's feeling gray and like what's going on. And she had just mentioned that like two days before, Hey, apparently spouses can get postpartum depression. Right. I was like, what? Isn't that like a, like, that's like a physiological thing that happens with you. Right. And I didn't think about the fact that like, 
oh, there's this big like life change that happens. It's like, uh, I don't know, like reverse culture shock mm-hmm. in, in, in that way. And that like huge, big life changes where there's like, um, could be like a sense of loss, which I, I that wasn't really pertinent, but maybe there's like a sense of that immediately because your time is so dominated by this newborn. Um, but yeah, I struggled with it for a week and I feel like I'm still kind of coming out of it. Mm. Um, but, uh, it was weird and I didn't really want to say it because I don't want to trivialize like those who really do go through depression. I don't want to like relativize that, but, um, um, yeah, I think it was, yeah, I'm just kind of recently coming out of, uh, like, I, I think what was true, like depression, postpartum depression, which I didn't realize could affect yeah, spouse as well. I didn't realize like spouses could have. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's such a great point. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, I think, um, I mean, I say other than that, I, I think the experience was just so positive for both of us that like if, if we were to have another baby this is exactly what we would do again yeah it was so it was really like um just the the night and day difference from like Kev's and obviously again I I didn't want to be as I was talking about it with her so I was like I was like obviously you did all the work here and it was like really painful for you and um but I was like it seemed like for, from where I was standing it's seemed like this was ideal Mm. um the preparation and um just the whole like going through the the birth and Mm -hmm. uh afterward like we were actually able to be in our home that was the first time we were able to be Mm -hmm. finally like actually able to be just staying in our home yeah and um and have the boys around and that was cool um because they were just they were just smitten and uh it honestly also felt really like relaxing. I remember it that did. day, it was yeah, just like, it oh, it's so relaxing. I didn't feel like I was in prison. Mm-mm. And um, uh, it was just we, so peaceful. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. Like the whole thing was. That's I, incredible. I, I don't know how to, yeah, it, it was awesome. It, and so the idea of having another, honestly, I think it's influencing <laughs> about having another kid. Uh, but, like, uh, Stop it. We're not talking about that. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I think, uh, yeah, it was just so different for both of us with how peaceful it was. Oh, that's amazing. Leslie, I'd love to hear a little bit more from you about what the actual laboring experience was like for you this time. Yes. Okay. So, um, yeah, so this is all, again, like this whole thing is super spiritual, um, this time around. And, um, that Monday before, um, we might have a little fussy baby coming out here. So sorry about that. Um, the Monday before my due date, I was due on Thursday. Um, I just told Kevin, I don't know what this baby is waiting for. I have done all the work. I am mentally prepared. I've let go of everything. Uh, I feel no fear. I feel no reservations about having this baby at home. So, um, yeah, I just really was not understanding why my body was not moving forward with birth when it so clearly wanted to, like I kept having prodromal labor. Um, and so I, you know, I, I just kind of went through the checklist of like, am I holding anything back? Is he in a bad position? Is my body not ready? Is my body not aligned? Is, you know, is our house not ready? Do I feel prepared? And so I kind of went through that checklist for a couple of weeks and 
by the Monday before my due date, I was like, I've done everything. Everything is good. Like, and so Tuesday, that Tuesday, I had my final um, appointment with my physical therapist. I've been going to a chiropractor and a physical therapist. Um, and the, he um, just made sure like my, my pelvis was aligned and he did a lot of um, like deep tissue massage with ligaments in my pelvis and like my back, my pelvis. Um, and he was like, you're as ready as you can be. <clears throat> he was like, I, your body is like completely aligned and I don't know what else you can do. <laughs> so um, Tuesday night was that huge, super flower blood moon eclipse. And we were all like, all right, it's going to happen tonight. Um, so of course that night I woke up at, I think it was like four o'clock with pajama labor. It was, it was about two o'clock. I woke up with pajama labor and then went back to sleep. And then about four, I couldn't sleep anymore. So I got up and I, I thought, you know, I, I might as well walk around outside because it's nice night and the moon is really beautiful. And so I went outside and walked up and down our street. And as I was walking, the contractions were getting pretty, they were getting more intense. I could still walk through them. Um, and so I was just walking and praying. And I, I finally just kind of was like, you know what, if I have this baby tonight, I'll be thankful. And if I don't have him for another two weeks, I'll still be thankful. Like, mm. I just kind of was able to say all of that and really actually believe it. Um, and then I started feeling really sleepy um, at about 5.15 or so. So I came back inside and laid back down and went right to sleep and woke up at 8.30 with nothing. And so that was really frustrating because it was another programmal labor. So I thought, and um, was, but I just reminded myself, you know what? I'm okay. Like, it's okay. And he'll come when he's ready. Um, and, and these contractions are working towards something. This isn't just, you know, for no reason. Um, so went about my day, we were having our group again that night. Um, and by that evening, I was just really tired. Um, and I had been having, while we were sitting there, so we, like I said, we have dinner together and while we were sitting at the table, just chatting and laughing, I, I kept having Braxton Hicks and I was looking, um, at my clock and I realized, I think these have been the same distance apart all day. And it just kind of hit me at that moment. Like I have been having these all day. And most of the time when I have them all day, they're just kind of random timing, but this has been like exact same intervals all day mm. um so I just started timing them at that point and they were about 12 minutes apart and then they were about 10 minutes apart and so I didn't really think a lot of it other than like okay they still feel like Braxton Hicks but they are clearly in marked like intervals right um and that evening um during our group, we usually have one person tell their story and then um, kind of lead us. So like different people tell their story and lead each week. And um, that week, um, the guy that led, um, he's a musician. And so afterward, he ended up um, playing on his guitar for a little while and we were singing together. And then the girl that kind of started this journey with us, she said, um, can we just pray over you guys? And the birth, um, tonight. And so they spent the next like 15 minutes praying over us, um, and the birth and they, um, part of Kevin's story actually, and, and I'll just briefly mention it is that his mom passed away when he was three. Mm. Um, 
his birth mom. And um, so he, he has her guitar here and um, our friend who led that night didn't bring his guitar, but, um, but neither of us, I, I play, but I haven't really played um, this guitar very often. And, and it happened to be sitting in the corner. And so he was like, can I just play that guitar? And, and so um, Mary, our friend asked, uh, this guy is her husband. And she said, can you just play on the guitar while we pray for them? And so, um, you know, he's playing on Kevin's mother's guitar, this connection that like he wanted to have, but didn't get to be able to keep, you know, through his life. Um, and he was playing a song called The Blessing um, during that, which was also really special specifically to Kevin. Um, and right after that group, so that was just such a beautiful time of blessing for us and everybody left. And then as after they left, Kevin and I were kind of cleaning up a little bit and getting ready to get in bed. And I was like, I feel like that's exactly what we were waiting for. Like, I think that's what my body was waiting for. Mm. And um, he said, you know, I wasn't going to say anything, but I think that's exactly what we were waiting for. I've been thinking the same thing. Um, and so we kind of went to bed being feeling like, you know, I don't want to say we're going to have the baby tonight, but we're going to have a baby tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we went to sleep and, um, I woke up, you know, with the same thing I had been doing every night. Um, and the, the thing with the predominant labor for me is that I had been able to, to lay down through it. I didn't have to get up. Um, and that's kind of how I knew I was okay, was that I could just lay down. I didn't have to leave the bed. It wasn't comfortable, but I didn't have to be moving positions or anything like that. So I woke up at about 2.50 that morning and um, just had this intense urge to go sit on the toilet. I did not have to go to the bathroom. And I was just laying there fighting with myself because it's such a chore to get out of bed when you're that pregnant. And I was like, I don't have to go. I'm not going to do this whole big like thing and go sit on the toilet. If I don't. And, but I just felt this need to do that. So I was like, all right. So I got up, went sat on the toilet. And as soon as I did, my water broke. And like, as soon as I sat down and, um, my water had not broken early with either of the boys. So, um, I was like, well, that's it. Like, here we go. Um, and you know, put on that adult diaper, went out, told Kevin, called my mom. She's about an hour away. So she came, um, we just spent the next hour getting ready and, um, blowing up the birth pool and kind of cleaning up, making sure, spaces that people were going to be in were kind of ready for them. And by 345, 350, nothing had really happened. Um, and so I was like, well, let's go back to bed and, you know, just sleep as much as we can. So um, we all got back in bed and fell back to sleep. And then I woke up probably 45 minutes later um, and just with some really uncomfortable contractions. Um, and I don't, I didn't feel like I could really stay in the same position. So I, I tried to turn over. And as soon as I turned over, I had a second pop and just a second gush. It was like my water broke a second time, which I, I think might've actually happened. Um, so we, so at that point it got very intense, very quickly. Like as soon as that happened, I could no longer lay down. So I stood up and went and got in the shower. I just thought I really, the difference with this one too, is I was just thinking through what if in my mind, what feels the most comfortable, what could I do that would feel the most comfortable? Um, and so I turned on, I, I took a hypnobirthing class this time as well, turned on a hypnobirthing track and went in the bathroom, turned on the shower. I thought, you know, this is going to be a while. So I'm not going to wake up Kevin and just was in the bathroom by myself, just kind of swaying through contractions. And they were pretty intense, 
but also not unmanageable alone. So I got in the shower and it felt great. It just felt so comforting. And the track was really helpful because it just kept grounding me and reminding me during contractions to just relax and breathe. And I just felt so thankful for how different this experience even was in the beginning. But as I was in the shower for maybe, I don't know, 10 minutes, maybe things ramped up so quickly. Um, I immediately started thinking this was a mistake. Like, we, I can't do this level for another six to 10 hours. Like I can't, this is not going to be sustainable uh, for me mentally. Um, and so thankfully I had my phone right there next to me and um, called Kevin on the phone because he had ear, earbuds and listening to a meditation track uh, to help him go back to sleep and called him to have him come in because at that point I couldn't get out of the shower by myself. Um, and so I had moved from like feeling confident alone to, I cannot continue doing this alone in like maybe 20 minutes. Um, and right when I called him, I started feeling nauseous. I started having cold sweats and shivering. I had to get out of the hot water. I just couldn't do it anymore. And as I was experiencing all of these, I started feeling panicky. And as I was experiencing all these symptoms, I remember thinking that's transition. Mm. And I also immediately told myself there is absolutely no way I'm in transition after 30 minutes. No way. Like that can't happen. <laughs> um, so I just kept telling myself, Nope, this is not transition. You're fine. We're good. And I just was calming myself down. But each time a contraction would come, I would have to fight this panicky feeling. And, and it was so interesting because now understanding that panic is, is actually um, just a sign of adrenaline. Mm -hmm. Um, I recognized panic and I didn't feel actually panicky. I don't know how to describe that other than like, I recognized that I was panicking and I didn't feel out of control, I think. Right. Oh, that's what this is. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, okay, all right, well, here we are. Um, so we just kept working through things together. Um, I had Kevin come in and he immediately was like, whoa, okay, we're here already. Um, and he really helped ground me. I mean, I kept trying to find comfortable positions. And at that point, there weren't a lot of positions that were very comfortable. I just kept thinking I'd really like to get in the tub. I really like to get in the tub, but I also didn't want to get in too early and stall things. Um, which of course is silly at this point, because looking back, I knew where I was in labor, but I was just trying to not get too excited about it, I think. Um, so he called everybody. And uh, I think that was probably, I want to say that was probably about 515 or so at that point. Um, and from that point on, I don't have a lot of, I don't, I don't have a lot of memory of like people coming when people got there. Um, I got in the tub probably about 530 and I don't think I opened my eyes more than like one time before Rain was born. I was just very in the zone. I was super focused. Um, and I, I stayed pretty relaxed. I mean, it was extremely intense, but I also, I don't know. I, I don't feel like, like I think about the birth with Kev and, and the level up and just the level of pain that I had with him. And I think a lot of that, obviously, you know, back labor is one thing, but then also I had so much fear. Um, I think that played a huge part Yeah. Um, for oh, yeah. Me with, with the pain levels. Um, so this time around, I don't know, I just felt it, it was really intense and, and there definitely was an element of pain. It was not pain-free, but I do think it just, there was a difference to it. 
Um, and so I, I, my body started pushing kind of involuntarily around 5.45. Um, and nobody was there at that point, <laughs> my mom. And it's like, I, but I had no fear even of that. It was like, you know what, if he's born, he's born. We're okay. Um, and so got in the tub and continued pushing. And about 6.30, I think I opened my eyes and my boys were in there and my midwife and birth photographer and doula and everybody was there. Um, and I just kept pushing. It just felt like forever. It felt like he was not coming out. And so um, my doula actually more than once, but I only heard her the second time, meant just kind of whispered, you should try the Captain Morgan's pose. Um, so we knew he was probably going to be big, but I just wasn't thinking about that in the moment. And so I, I did that, you know, I had one leg, one knee up, I was squatting in the tub, um, put one knee up and I could feel him moving down a lot more once I did that, mm. once I changed positions. So probably after about maybe 20 minutes after we did that, maybe 30 minutes, um, he started crowning and that was extremely intense. Um, I didn't feel that with either of the boys because by that point with Kev, they had given me a local um, anesthetic for the uh, episiotomy. And then with Gray, I had an epidural. So this is my first time encountering that. And that is definitely, it is the ring of fire. <laughs> it is something. <laughs> it, is, it is there for sure. Um, but yeah, so he, I finally was able to push his head out and then I didn't know how much time had passed. It was like, there was no sense of time for me. Um, and then, but I now know it was about four minutes later that the rest of his body was born. Um, and my midwife had to help his shoulders out. Mm. Um, he didn't have shoulder dystocia, but he just, he's, he was very, very big and <laughs> he just kind of got wedged just a little bit there. At right. the end. And so she just helped kind of get his shoulders out. Um, and one of the things that I envisioned about this birth, even though I knew Kevin wanted to catch him was, I just had this vision of me catching him, mm -hmm. um, of me like taking him out of the water and pulling him up to my chest. And it wasn't like I wanted it to happen over Kevin and catching him. It's just, I felt like that was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And just with the way that I was positioned in the tub, that's exactly what happened. I ended up being the one to pull him up. Um, and I think he moved right away and he started making little sounds right away. And um, I didn't notice how big he was at the moment, but everybody was just saying, exclaiming, wow, he is so big. And <laughs> I just several times just like, really? I, okay. Like, I trust that you're, you think he's big. I don't know. I just, he's out, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> how big was he? So he was 10 pounds, 13 ounces. <laughs> Yeah, he was huge, yeah. Uh, which, which is how big Kevin was when he was born. Ah, there we go. So Kevin was kind of hoping for that. Secretly. I found out. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it was just beautiful. It was really beautiful. So from really from start to finish, my labor was about two and a half hours. Gosh, what a dip with your 10 pound, 13 ounce baby. Yeah, that's, it's incredible. And it's so beautiful to hear, you know, I, when you mentioned like, oh, maybe, maybe we will have another, like that, just that concept of when you experience birth in, in all of the, all of that kind of like intense glory that you experienced, like, oh, it just leaves you with this amazing feeling of like, I could do that again. <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. totally. 
Well, oh. and there's something beautiful too about knowing, like mentally preparing for a short season. That's mm-hmm. going to be hard, but it's short, yeah. you know? And right. I think there's just something so different this time around with knowing, yeah, a newborn season is tough. It is tough. It doesn't matter how many kids you have. It's really hard, but it's so short and it goes by so quick. And in like months, we're going to look back and not even remember a lot of these times. Right. Um, and so that's really made this postpartum time a lot more beautiful too, because we're just holding on to all these tiny little moments with him. And it's, I think it's made such a difference. And honestly, my postpartum experience with both Kevin Gray, I had baby blues for a solid, probably 10, 10 to 14 days. Mm-hmm. Um, the pretty severe ups and downs hormonally or, or well, emotionally. Um, but I have not had that at all with him, with rain. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, it was literally like, he was born and it's just been beautiful. Um, and I think that's another gift that God has, he kind of gave that to me in the beginning of like, trust me with this. And, and I'd really like to give you a, a joyful postpartum period um, mm. because it was so hard with, with gray, you know, and that was what scared us so much about having another baby, but it has really been beautiful. I mean, he's definitely a newborn, so he still has days where we're like, why are you crying so much? What is going on? But um, man, I don't know. It's just been such a beautiful season. Oh man. Well, Leslie, it's always so exciting to hear, especially from Happy Home Birth Academy graduates who have their happy home birth, but also to, to be able to interview a friend and I'm just so grateful that you and Kevin came on and shared your story with us. It was such an honor. Thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you, Caitlin. This was this was so great. Thank you for your uh, your Happy Home Birth Academy. It was so informative. Um, I can't recommend it to people enough. Like it is something when I hear people are having babies, I'm like, I don't care how you're planning on having it. You need to do this course. so informative, but I really just appreciate all all that you've done with your podcast. I listened to this every day when I was pregnant, Mm -hmm. just in a way to feel positive and be excited about my birth. And you're really doing so much for the home birth. Oh, thank you so much, Leslie. Wasn't that such a beautiful episode? As we head into this week's episode roundup, I want to do things a bit differently. I'd love to close by praying Psalm 65 over all of you the one Leslie's friend prayed for her. Praise is due to you, O God in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you shall all flesh come. When iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house the holiness of your temple. By awesome deeds, you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, the one who by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples, so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe at your signs. You make the going out of the morning and the evening to shout for joy. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. 
you water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. Okay, my friends, that's all I've got for you for today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.